Hello, my name is Scott Bradley and this is Scott Score Podcast. Today I'm joined by former Kilmarnock Rangers and Scotland international Cammy Bell. We discussed Cammy's brilliant performance in the League Cup final against Celtic, what was it like playing under Kenny Shields, playing for his boyhood club Rangers, all this and so much more. Enjoy the show. So Cammy, was the plan always to be a professional footballer? Yeah, mate, it was. Uh, again, you, from a young age, yeah, um, that's all you want to do is you want to play football. You go out with your mates and um, find your feet on the sort of the grass. And um, at first, I, listen, I loved playing outfield. I was a sort of midfielder, to be honest. I uh, liked to tackle and get involved in the game. Uh, and then you slowly found yourself, once I went in goals and I realised I was half decent in goals, uh, you find yourself there more than more than not. So, no, nah, it was it was always a dream. Definitely always a dream was to be a footballer. Um, but to get that dream to come reality is is very difficult, a long journey as well. What was that feeling like when you signed your first uh, pro contract? Yeah, listen, it was amazing. Even to, I always remember to the day I was with Kilmarnock Pro Youth at the time. Um, we had a very good team. We had a strong team. Stephen Naismith was in our team. Um, Jamie Hamill. So we had some players that went on to have some good careers. And, to get offered the the opportunity and and the the contract, it was one of the ones we all sat in the way dressing room at Kilmarnock, very small and tight as it is these days still. Um, and the the manager Alan Robertson at the time pulled you in one by one, and there was boys coming back in tears, um, boys um, coming back delighted and um, start of their journey and their, their career. Um, but yeah, I always remember it because it was a. It was a strange time you you were absolutely delighted, but some of your mates didn't get um the opportunity and you were gutted for them. So it was a kind of first sort of step in, in real football for me. But obviously as well, when you go along the football journey, you realise how difficult it is and how ruthless it is as well. And obviously, as you said, you started your career at Kilmarnock and you did have some injury scares where a doctor believed that you wouldn't be able to play again. What was that like hearing that, especially at that age? Yeah, so it was. I was young. I was uh, nineteen, I think, at the time. Um, I'd, I'd done my cruciate um, in an injury. It was actually a, a tackle in a game when I slid into a boy against Falkirk for the reserves for Kamarnock, and I was young playing in the reserves. So, um, and he broke his leg, and I'd done my cruciate. So it was a it was a horrible challenge, to be honest. Um, and then I, I came back from that one though. Um, and then I was only back for three months and it happened again. My, my cruciate snapped, another ligament snapped in my knee as well. And that's when the doctor, Doc McGuinness at the time, who used to be the Rangers doctor, I know he, he didn't say it to me directly, but he had mentioned to the physio, Alex McQueen at the time, who was fantastic when we got my career back on track. Um, but he mentioned to him that he didn't think that I would play, thought I'd really, really struggle at a young age. Again, the surgery back then, it was, it was all fairly new. Um, so... Yeah, I was, I was very fortunate, as I say, fortunate to have a good physio and a good doctor and a club that looked after me as well. So, um, yeah, it was it was worrying times at the time, but um, delighted that I managed to get through that period. And then when you were coming through, who were some of the people that you looked up to and helped you out? One big person that actually helped me out through sort of that period when I was injured was David Fernandez, because David Fernandez actually done his cruciate at the exact same time as me at Kilmarnock. Um, so we kind of done a rehab throughout um, with each other um, obviously he had great experience coming from um, the teams that he had been at Deportivo as a kid and then went to Celtic obviously Livingston um, he was a brilliant character as well and um, yeah guys like that for me especially the time where I was very young and um, you've got somebody who's beside you who's done the exact same injury to to get you through it but listen there was there was always the goalkeepers um Gordon Marshall, when I first came into Kilmarnock, was was a real inspiration, a great guy to know, um, very good goalkeeper, great career. Um, yeah, and then you've got Jim Stewart, who was my goalie coach as well at Kelly, and then went on to be my goalkeeping coach at Rangers. So there's a lot of guys to to thank over the year, not enough time to thank all these guys, but um, loads of people put a lot of time and effort into you um, as a kid, and um, thankfully I uh, managed to make a career out of it. So what were you like when you found out that you were making your professional debut? Yeah, really excited. Um, and again, it was um, Jim Jeffries that gave me that opportunity. And Jim was, a, listen, he was a he was a fantastic manager, really good manager to, for me, um, very hard, um, old school. That um, he would have a go at players and let them know that they weren't playing well enough. But also very good at man management when they were playing well enough. He was always 
arm around their shoulder, letting them know when they're playing well. So a fantastic manager. Um, but yeah, for him to give me the opportunity um, against Motherwell w- was great. Um, and it was just so exciting to to kind of get that first step into professional football. I'd been out on loan um, before that and I knew that I wanted senior football. Uh, but to get the, the opportunity at top level was was great. And that's where it really spurred me on to to want more. And it's even Jim Jeffries said that you faced a battle to become Killy's number one. Did that motivate you even more? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, I actually the the opportunity I was I was considering leaving the club um, a couple of times purely because I didn't think I was going to get enough first team football. Um, and I thought about dropping down to the championship and and where I'd been on loan at Queen of the South. A couple of teams were interested in me there. So and I loved playing at Queen's. I think that was uh, going on loan was was really important for me because it allowed me to understand the winning mentality of football, wanting to win every Saturday that meant things to to players, win bonuses, the crowd, the fans, everything that comes with a Saturday, um, you you got the feeling of it. So it was it was an important loan that one for me at Queen's and uh, as you said, I had a fight in my hands, and it was it was going to be difficult. So I did consider dropping down to the championship. Thankfully, I never, uh, and I stayed at the club, and eventually uh, managed to get more opportunity and and play some first team football and have some great memories at Kilmarnock as well. Is Jeffries a tough manager to play under? Yeah, he was. Listen, he was he was Very absolutely cool. yeah. He was a uh, listen. I seen all sorts of um, people getting pinned up against the wall, but it was just all about winning. That's what it was all about. It was all about winning, passion, um, and and he 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 installed that in every single one of his players as well. He wanted players to win games of football. Um, he he demanded so much, but again, as I said before, he also gave so much to players as well. He would he would be. It'd be again if you if you're doing well and you would get time extra time off. You would again he'd look after you in training, make sure you were fully fit. Um, all he was wanting was results. Um, and and for me, he was he was a great manager to learn under, especially being a young kid. Um, taught you a lot of good lessons and and good habits to get into. Um, you're never ever allowed to be lazy within the whole on the pitch, off the pitch. Um, Jim was always on your back, so. Um, a really good manager and that's why he had such a, a long career as a manager as well What's the angriest you've ever seen Jim Jeffries? I think it was a game I, I was um, as I went up to Brecon as a third choice goalkeeper um, and I remember I think it was Gary McSwiggan he had against the wall pinned by the throat um, and it was all sorts going on we were getting beat off Brecon I think it was a Scottish Cup I'm not sure if we got beat that day but it was it was half time and it was all kicking off because as I say, Brecon were a lower league than us and there was so much expectation and it, again just passion and, and listen, Jim had swiggy a, a number of teams, um, but there was just that much passion and and Billy Brown, uh, as you could imagine, was a a wee firecracker as well and backed yeah, him man. up, <laughs> back back Jim up, um, but uh, listen, it all calmed down and um, swiggy um, again. Produced loads of really good performances under um, Jim Jeffries. So it was, it, he's just so passionate about football. And as I say, it was that big thing about being a winner. Um, and he didn't like getting beat. So um, yeah, there was some some cracking moments. And after Jim Jeffries left, uh, Jimmy Calderwood came in until the end of the season and kept you up. How much of a, a how much of a relief was that when you stayed up? Yeah, it was a it was a massive relief um, for everyone involved with the club because we knew what was at stake. We knew that it was jobs at stake behind the scenes, not not to do with the football um, players, um, but all all the staff. It was mainly again staff around the stadium, staff in the club shops. So there's a lot of jobs at stake. So a huge amount of pressure. Um, but yeah, touching on Jimmy Calderwood, Jimmy Calderwood was the one that really gave me my run of games, really believed in me. And, and Jim obviously gave me the opportunity and I was, I was facing a good goalkeeper now Alan Combe as well. He was fantastic at the time. Um, but Jimmy Calderwood gave me the opportunity and, and thankfully I managed to take it. I put some really good performances in. Um, but he really believed in me. Um, didn't matter what age you were. Didn't look, wasn't looking for loads and loads of experience. Whereas nowadays I feel as if a lot of managers look for experienced goalkeepers and that's hard for the younger ones. Um, so I owe a lot to Jimmy Calderwood he's a fantastic guy great manager um, that summer I always remember going out to Magaluf he had a place out in um, just outside Magaluf he had a, a villa out there and 
when me and Craig Bryce and Fraser Wright, we all went out as a as a group and uh, we went up and met up with Jimmy Calderwood and Jimmy Nichol was there as well and what a laugh there. Unbelievable guys. Um really, really good company. And uh, yeah, it's just it's really sad now we hear what um Jimmy's going through. Um so yeah, I owe a lot to him as well. Why was it uh, he left? Because obviously he stayed until the end of the season, but did he not have a falling out with the chairman? Yeah, he did. He did. He, he wanted. He basically wanted a better budget. That's what. That's what it was all about. And Jimmy had came from a budget of Aberdeen where they spent a lot of money, and they came to Kilmarnock and and uh, got us out a lot of trouble that season. Definitely got us out a lot of trouble. Um, but I think he was looking for the club to put a little bit of investment in because he wanted the club to go forward. And it was actually listen. It was. It was. I remember that summer very well because I was hoping he was going to stay because, as I say, I got on really well when he was playing me, um, and then. Obviously, he couldn't agree terms with Michael Johnson, who was a chairman at the time. He didn't again. They didn't see eye to eye, which was unfortunate. Um, and then I always remember getting the phone call to say that Mixu Patalainen was going to be the next manager. So um, that was a new chapter. And um, yeah, listen, I, I liked working under Mixu as well. I am actually interviewing uh, Mixu next week, so um, so obviously I'll ask him about you. <laughs> 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 good things he'll say about you. Um, but I so obviously we see good to work under. Yeah, brilliant. Mixu was uh, again. You learn all these different things from from all the managers that you work under, and and Mixu had this style of play that he brought. And I always remember from day one pre season, it was all about playing football, playing out from the back, and it involved me as a goalkeeper so much. Um, he didn't want me to kick the ball over the halfway line. That was just the way that he wanted to play. Again, I remember games where he was screaming at me not to kick the ball over the halfway line. He wanted to play from the back, and this was. Back in the day that nobody played from the back, um, again, there wasn't a lot of teams that had, nowadays, everyone's sort of starting from the goalkeeper playing to the, the centre-half. Back then, nobody done it. Everyone was up to the half-wheel and it was a long ball. Um, so he had this philosophy of playing and we worked on it and training relentlessly. Every day we had patterns of play, shape, the way that we would want to play. And it took a, a number of, took us a long time to get, to get used to it. We were getting beat. I remember losing a goal against Celtic. Um, I passed out to Jamie Hamill. Um, Hamill lost it. Celtic sort of set a trap for us. They stood off Hamill four or five yards, and as soon as he the ball went to him, they were right on top of him, stole it off him, and a goal. And it looked didn't look great to be honest when you look back at it. But there was always a method behind it. That was the way we wanted to play. We we needed to go through that hard period to to get to where we ended up getting to. And listen, see when it did click, I always remember it was at Tynecastle away and we beat them 3-0, I think it was, that day. Um, and it really did click. We played some brilliant football and we went on to have a, a really successful spell under Mixu under that. Really went on a really good run. But again, key to that spell was Alexei Eremenko. He was one of the best players, that, if not the best player I, I've played with. He was an absolute genius on the ball. Um, and he, again, helped me as a goalkeeper when you're playing from the back, you've normally got your two centre-halves and one of them was Fraser Wright and one of them was Mohamedou Suzoko. And again, no disrespect to Fraser. Fraser was one of the best defenders I've, I've seen in front of me, but didn't want the ball as much. and wasn't a ball-playing centre-half. But you had Eremenko who would come and take the ball off you and he would never, ever give you it back. No matter if you had a man up his, his bum, um, he would never, ever give you it back. And a real talented player he was. In that season, you got called up to the Scotland squad. That must have been some buzz for you. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Uh, I remember the first um, sort of call up as well and getting that phone call that you're going to be involved um, with the squad and um, yeah, and the calibre of goalkeepers at that moment in time was incredible as well. You, you had David Marshall, Alan McGregor, Craig Gordon. They, they were they were a strong, strong group of goalkeepers. So to even get the opportunity to be involved with these guys, learn so much. Um, it was great, and and you got to be around some some top top players, um, Dan Fletcher again, Scott Brown when he's at the top of his game. So these guys you learn a lot from when you go away. So um, yeah, it was it was it was really exciting times for me. See when you got the call, did you think it was a wind up at first? Because I've heard a lot of players say when they're about to get the call, and then they the answer are like, "It's got to be one of my pals stitching me up." <laughs> Were you thinking that at the time as well? At, at the time, I was kind of. I think I, I, when Craig Levine actually phoned me, I was like, I didn't actually hear what he said at the start. And I was like, who is this? And then I kind of then walked out into the corridor because I think I was in the changing room at the time. And then I went in the corridor and then I realised it was Craig. Because um, I had been a little few rumours that 
that I was potentially going to get in a squad soon. Um, and then you realise it's obviously him on the phone. And uh, the, yes, it's an amazing feeling because um, to get the opportunity to, as I say, be in a squad of your national country is um, is fantastic. It's the that's the elite top level where you want to be. And obviously you've got one cap, but in that appearance, Cammy, you got you kept a clean sheet as well. That's what it's all about, mate. <laughs> right, so you obviously you came on as a sub. I think it was against the, the Faroe Islands, wasn't it? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. 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 So what was that feeling like? Obviously, that must have been a proud day for the family as well. Yeah, amazing. It was up, it was up at Audrey. Um, it was one of the games that we kind of moved around the country. I'd been in loads of squads up to then. And as I say, listen, the, the caliber of goalkeeper I was up against, I always knew I was going to struggle to get any game time at all. Um so to to get the opportunity to even half a game to come on as a sub, it was a, a real proud moment. My dad used to go all the Scotland games when I was in the squad. I was knowing that I wasn't going to be playing, but just a, he was a Scotland fan anyways. But he would go all the games round about the country. Um, and uh, yeah, he was up in Pataudry. So it was, a, it was a proud moment for him, obviously for me. Um, but yeah, it was great because Craig had kind of pulled me before it and says, look, we're going to get you on in this game at... Um, at some point and replace Craig Gordon. So again, just shows you who you're replacing. Um, a guy who's at the top of the game for so, so long, um, still is. When he gets back fit, I'm pretty sure he'll get back to where he was because he was brilliant last season. Um, but yeah, it was um, a super proud moment for me. And uh, obviously going back to Kelly, after uh, Mixu left, uh, Kenny Shields came in. Uh, what a character he was, mate. <laughs> what a character he was. And he'd done a great job at Kelly. Um, have you got any brilliant uh, Kenny Shields stories? Oh, Kenny's, Kenny's a... <laughs> we've got too many Kenny Shields stories. Uh, no, listen, he was he was a brilliant character. And I think um, the media absolutely loved him because he, he loved to throw in a, a, a story now and again. And again, it was it was never to do with Kilmarnock. It was always speaking about, normally, as as we know, the media in this country like to speak about Celtic and Rangers. It was normally to do with them. And um, Kenny was just, he was just so outspoken and... He was a fin- brilliant manager. Uh, I've got to say that. Like man management was absolutely fantastic. Done a really good job at Kelly as well. But again, there was always there was always a kind of one story that stuck in my head was that when uh, when I was going to sign with Rangers, I was going to sign a pre contract with Rangers. I think it was around about February time. So I'd until sort of June time with Kilmarnock and. Uh, I went and signed the night and then the next day of training I went and had a chat with Kenny and there'd been loads of rumours that I was going to leave and um, I had a chat with Kenny and Kenny said, look, congratulations, thanks for telling me, first and foremost. He says, look, I want you to be honest, if it comes out in the press, then obviously I would like you to to know that it, it has happened and I've came to you first. Um, he says, look, no, son, he says, I'll protect you between now and then. He says, you're my best goal at the club, so I want you to play. I was like, right, that's great. I want to play. I want to do the best for the club. I've been here as a kid. So, um, but then the next pre- next day, it comes out in the paper. It's on the back of the paper. So he gets asked at the press conference on the Friday. It's Cammy Bell um, in, uh, signed with Rangers, and Kenny's reaction is, no, no, no. Listen, there's loads of clubs interested um, in him. Uh, Ipswich, they, they're interested in him. So then I read it the next day, and I'm like, Ipswich. I'm like, where does he pull Ipswich for? So I went and seen him. I says. Gaffer, where he pulled up switch? Ah, it was the first team that came in my head, Cammy. And I was like, right, okay. Next minute, they asked the, the press down at Ipswich, asked Mick McCarthy. Um, Mick came, he was a manager at the time. Mick came, he had interested in the commandment goalie, Cammy Bell. And he's like, Cammy who? And I was like, brilliant. <laughs> Doesn't even know me. I was like, Kenny, you could have threw in a team that actually knew who I was. <laughs> That's super. No, I thought he was brilliant. Do you know what he's up to nowadays? He was um uh, he was over doing the the women's team um, in Northern Ireland. I'm not sure if he's still uh, managing them, um, but he was doing a he was doing a good job over there. I think Dean Dean as well. His son um, was involved uh, as his assistant manager, and then Dean's went over and Dean was um, a manager of one of the Northern Irish um, Premier League teams so over there. So um, yeah, so he's listen. He's uh, I seen him last year with a. 10th anniversary dinner at Kilmarnock. Um, so we spent the night sort of in the, in his company. Um, so he's he, he was looking well and he's, uh, as I say, he's a, he's a good guy. I like him. Oh, definitely, Cameron. You're spot on. So the 2011-2012 season was a special one for you as you won the League Cup against Celtic and you had a man in a match display. You had, honestly, Cameron, you had a blinder. Uh, what was, uh, like, what would you say? Would you say actually that was a highlight of your career that day? Yes, listen, it's got to be 
up there, there's there's probably two or three moments that you would say are your highlight of your career. It's hard to define an exact one. Um, it's there. Listen, to win a major trophy um, as a footballer, you don't appreciate it at the time. I certainly look back and reflect and wish I had appreciate. And I say that to every player I speak to now. I'm saying when you win something, do take the time to celebrate and appreciate it because you, you almost think you're going to win more. Um, like when you won that and to win it with Kilmarnock was so special because no, everyone had written us off going into that final as well playing a, a Celtic team that was so strong really good team Fraser Foster Wanyama Gary Hooper Joe Ledley it was just littered Scott Brown littered with real talent international talent um, and we rocked up and, and managed to um, sort of disrupt their play that day but we played really well listen Celtic had a lot of chances so did we um, I, I had to make a number of saves, and I did have the game of my life at the right time, um, and probably the best the best save in my career as well. I would say in that game, which was a header from Anthony Stokes, um, just the way that it happened as a goalkeeper when you're going one way and have to try and get down right in the corner and manage to get almost just two fingertips to squirm it away from the goal um, was a really good save for me, a top quality save. So. Um, everything just went right that day for us, um, but we worked ever so hard for it as well. So I wouldn't say it was down to just luck. We we played some good football and we had a good team as well. So you can't forget that we had some some really talented players as well in our command team. What did Kenny say to the boys before the game? Do you know what? The night before it, um, we stayed in the Park Hotel, Commandant Hotel, and I always remember going up to a team meeting and um, we had dinner at night. Um, so then we had a meeting after it. Um, and he basically just says, look, lads, you've got an opportunity to become club legends, which most of it, well, all of us did, because, listen, it was the first time they've won it in their history. Um, and he, he just, he, he almost just said, look, we're so much underdogs, put all the pressure on to Celtic. And he'd done it all week in the press. He'd done really, really well when you look and you analyse it. He put all the pressure on Celtic, uh, made, made sure that everyone thought we had absolutely no chance. But internally, he was telling us how good we were as players. We actually put a montage of footage together of us, us that season scoring goals as a team, doing really good things. So it was just putting you in a good good mood. But one thing he did say, he says, if any of you lads want to have a beer tonight, you can have a beer. Uh, which was very controversial. We were all sitting back like, ah, he's lost the plot here. Have a beer before a cup final. We didn't have a beer before a normal game. Um, but it was just that way of saying, look, just use, relax. Because he knew we'd all be nervous. We'd, none of us had been there before. Um, so it was just that way. And, and nobody took him up on the beers either. So <laughs> thankfully. What were the celebrations like after the game? Yeah, they were amazing. Uh, obviously, we had that sad moment of Liam Kelly's dad um, passing away at, at, right at um, the end of the game. So that that made it a very strange sort of celebration to start with. Kind of filtered onto the pitch when I was celebrating with the Kilmarnock fans and we were on the pitch. I remember the kit man coming in and seeing him a year. He said, look, Liam's dad's um, passed away. And I was like, oh. didn't really hear him at first. And I was like, what? And he I says, where is Liam? And he was down the tunnel, so automatically I just left the pitch and went down to see him. Um, and I could see him, he was so distressed. Uh, so I just kind of went up and gave him a big hug, hugged him tight. And we had the, the, the secretary and stuff were well at that time and we're going to take him up to hospital. Um, so it was it was a hard time because then it filtered through us all and we all started to hear about it. We went back to the changing room and I'll, I'll never ever forget this moment was that you've won the League Cup such a... A big moment for the the club and and yourself personally, um, and the cup just sat there and there was just a, a a room full of guys in tears and it was um it was hard because we were such a close um group as well so that was a hard moment but then Kenny just had a chat with us when we got changed and got on the bus and says look Liam Liam and his dad would want us to celebrate us wouldn't want us to miss this opportunity so. We we got on the bus, got back to Kilmarnock, and we done the open top bus, and it was uh, it was incredible. It was brilliant from the start of getting in the top of Kilmarnock, coming from Glasgow side, um, and then heading down towards John Finney Street. You had people out at their doors, and then when you got to John Finney Street, it was just incredible. I like, seen nothing like it before. There was so many people. Didn't realise Kilmarnock had that many fans, <laughs> but everyone just wanted to celebrate as a town, as a community. 
and uh, it was brilliant just to celebrate with the boys. I think I nearly fell off the bus a, a few times with a few too many swallies. So, um, but no, nah, it was amazing. What were the hangovers like? Was it brutal? <laughs> oh, it was. It was a long night that night. It was just, uh, as I say, drinking from on the bus and then. Um, all the way back into the hotel, we went to the stadium, so we're still like every everyone was just buzzing. It was such an amazing time, and then you're drinking in the hotel and I uh, just having a right good time together as well. And we stayed as a group that night, so it was great that we we managed to share it like between us. And and I think that was that was a measure of where we were as a, a, a as a team. Um, we were so close, and that got us through a lot that season. And I'm pretty sure that played a big part of why we why we won that league cup. And obviously you stayed at Kilmarnock for another season, but left after that to join Rangers. Uh, talk me through how that move came about. Yeah, so I, again, the Rangers won. I, I, I stayed another season at Kilmarnock and I, I was enjoying my football, um, but I realised that I had an opportunity. I was out of contract um, at the end of that season. Um, and when January came, there was a, I was a number of teams interested in me. I was having a good season again. I was still involved with the national team. So it was an opportunity for me to to try and move on and progress my career. Um, so Majin had phoned me and, and said that Rangers had made contact with him. And I was actually, it was a winter break. I was over uh, on holiday with my, my now wife anyways, um, and Majin was going in to meet um, It was Charles Green at the time. Um, so he went in to meet him and just had a chat about going forward and where the club was going. And they offered me a deal and... Um, I said to them I would need to think about over the next few weeks. Um, and then I just decided that, look, I, I want to make that decision and, and try and get signed up. And uh, as I said before, I ended up signing a pre-contract with Rangers. And um, yeah, it was, it was it was a move that I wanted. I'm a Rangers fan. Um, when you get the opportunity to join a club you've supported, you've went to the stadium and watched them, um, it's, a, it's a special opportunity. And... Then I had, I had other clubs. Burnley were one that were wanting me to go down and chat with them, but I almost made my decision straight away that I wanted to give the Rangers one and a, a, a chance Listen, to play in front of 40,000 fans every week, no matter what league they were in. Um, it was it was, it was was a decision that I wanted to get, get done and I managed to, to get that over the line. I remember when I found out that you signed for us, mate. I remember I was in school at the time. I think I was about 17 and it came through Cammy Wells uh, signed my Rangers, mate. I was buzzing. <laughs> I was buzzing. I'm not even just saying that because I'm talking to you. Like, I was buzzing. Like, see, for us to land you at that time, especially with how good like you were and how in demand you were, like that was a huge get for us, honestly. Yeah. No, listen, we, we signed some good players. And and again, it was always it, it was always um going to be difficult to to be there like for the rest of your career. Um, but as I say, I felt as if if I hadn't signed for Rangers at that point, I would have never have signed for Rangers. Um, and that was your opportunity. Um, and as I say, it was it was a club that when you've supported them, you want the chance to feel, you, you know what it feels like going and supporting them as a kid, but actually be in there and feel what the club's all about um, was incredible. Um, and listen, I, I absolutely no regrets about anything in my career, to be honest. Um so your career's a, a long journey and there's ups and downs, there's bumps over the road. But um, yeah, I was, I was glad to get that one done and glad to get that over the line. And uh, what was that feeling like making your debut at Ibrox? Amazing, amazing. It was um, loads of build-up to it as well. And because obviously with the transfer embargo that was with us at that time, um, so I missed the first couple of games because we were only allowed to play a couple of players as trialists and we'd signed like eight boys. Um, and because the league that we're in, they were kind of coisted, said to me, look, no disrespect, Cammy, but I expect us to to take care of these teams without you. <laughs> um, so uh, I had to sit in the stand the first couple, which was frustrating because you had done a pre-season, you wanted to get up and running, but it was what it was. There was no getting around it. But once we, we got by and uh, got to that sort of September mark, um, it was... Um, it was it was fine there on in, um, and it was it was an amazing feeling just going out in front of all the fans and seeing all the fans travel home and away, especially all these small grounds that are right on top of you, right behind you. Um, so that was a that was a new kind of experience for me because again, playing with Kilmarnock in the Premier League, I was used to going to Ibrox and Selic Park and Petrodry and Rugby Park, um, but then you you end up at Stranraer where you've got fans like literally touching you when you're taking a goal kick. So it was a it was a kind of new and thousands of fans as well. So it was a new experience uh, 
but one that I really loved as well. So what was it like playing against part-time teams like every week? Because if I'm being honest, Rangers did struggle in a few games. Yeah, it was it was difficult. It was it was hard. Um, and listen, I think we the expectations are so high when we sign a high caliber of player, um, and then you've got these teams that are literally cup finals. I remember, I can't remember who was manager, but I remember watching Rangers play in East Fife. It would be a I think Stephen Gerrard was possibly manager. Um, away and they were playing East Fife away I think it was either Scottish Cup or League Cup and it was on TV and they struggled in that game, I think they ended up winning 3-1 but the calibre player they had then was obviously a lot higher than when I was there um, I think Defoe was up front, do you know what I mean? They had these guys that um, that were that were really high calibre players and and they're difficult games, they're hard games away from home they're really, like a cup really final for them, it's like a cup final for these boys and it was like that every single week. We were the, the the team they wanted to target and get beat. And you forget, you've got to go to these stadiums that the, the pitches aren't great. I remember Stranraer on a Wednesday night. It had been raining for the past two weeks. It was boggy. You couldn't play any football. They, they're real levelers, these these um, sort of things that are thrown at you. So it was, it was hard. It was mentally hard more than anything, I think, um, rather than the physical side for us guys. Um, but we listen at the end of the day we, we got the got through the the league and I think we ended up finishing unbeaten that season um in the league. So it was a real good measure, although there were some hard times through it and some crit- times we got criticized, which is right enough. Um but we managed to finish unbeaten and we got promoted, which was the main goal. What would you say was the worst dressing room during that time that you were in? Like the worst like away ground that you went to in terms of the dressing rooms? Um, in terms of the dressing rooms, Breakin. Breakin's really, really small and tight. So one of the smallest in the leagues. So I've been in most dressing rooms in the league, and I'm trying to think. And I remember playing Breakin up there, and it was lashing down as well. And we were get. I think we were getting beat two nil. Um, and the fans were going mental with all the fans, basically the full stadium, as you can imagine, at most of these places. And they're right on top of you. We're getting dogs abuse, and I always remember going into halftime, and Stevie Smith was running down the left-hand side, and he took his touch out his feet to then go and whip a left-footed cross in, and it's just stopped in the water, and he's fresh-aired, nothing. And it was just, I remember standing my goal saying, that just sums this up. And uh, thankfully, second half, we went on and we won that game. Um, but it, again, these are the difficult places to go. If another team gets a goal up, they're hard. It's hard to get get back because they just sit in, make it difficult. The weather, the pit condition of pitches. But hey, it was a it was a small change. I mean, you can imagine uh, how heated it was in there at half time when we were two 0 down. I so speaking of breaking, obviously that was Rangers' first game in the lower leagues. It was uh, in the Ramsons Cup. And I remember watching the game, right, and the ball got stuck in the hedge, and it was just a total reality check. It's like, this is Rangers home for the next three years. <laughs> yeah. But so what was the Rangers uh, dressing room like in your first season? What like who were some of the big characters? Um yeah, listen, it was good, good dressing room, some good, good guys in there. Um big characters were Lee McCulloch Jig, um, big, big character. I'd been at the club for a number of years. Um you had um, guys like Ian Black was there, was quite a big character, had been, been around stuff and um, obviously a lot of experience at Hearts, Lee Wallace. So it was loads of loads of good guys and, and big characters in there, but listen, there was no bigger character than our manager, which was Ali McCoyst. Uh, he was a, a great guy, good manager. And I just think, I think I've always said this, that I think Ali found himself at the, at the helm at the wrong time of the club. There was so much going on and, and a lot that, um, people don't realise that up the stairs we changed chief executive from when I was there probably about seven times and that's just not right at a football club that that doesn't happen when things are, are going well um, at boardroom level and it does filter down to the manager absolutely he was under a loads of pressure for me there was a lot of times he was probably getting stitched up as well um, I don't I don't think there was a lot of at times honest people in there um, so it was it was hard for Ali, um, and I felt as if he'd done a, a good job under the circumstances he was in. Uh, he found himself in. What you got any good Alan McCoy stories? Oh, just, he's a he's he's a legend. By the way, I'll tell you what he was. He's still a goal scorer because he used to join in at the five sides all the time, and 
He used to, oh, I hated it because he would always be like, he's, he, listen, he wouldn't run about too much, but he would always be running about the goal and it was always that wee flick by you and it was so close to you, you think, I can get that and it just squirmed by you. Um, I was still a, still a brilliant player and again, a winner, he would, didn't he like getting beat? So, um, I was a, he, was, he was a good character and as I say, a good manager, but a great man as well. And obviously you mentioned Ian Black there. I heard he's quite a wind-up merchant. So he is. Is that right? Yeah, Blackie's eye. Listen, he likes to he likes to wind people up, and uh, uh, he was he was he was a bit of a character he sell. And listen, when I when I drove into the, the car park and I seen a Bentley sitting there, I thought, who's who's driving a Bentley? We're in League One here, um, and it was Blackie. So, but again, that that was just his character. I certainly didn't go out and get a Bentley. That was for sure. And obviously Rangers went unbeaten that season and they won the league. But however, lost the Petrofac Cup final and the semi-final, the Scottish Cup semi-final to Dundee United. See the Petrofac Cup final and from your perspective. How did it go so wrong? Because that was a that was a real sore one for Rangers to lose, especially in extra time. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I think it went wrong because we just couldn't score in that game with loads of opportunities and loads of chances, and we just couldn't score. Um, it was massively disappointing, I'll tell you. Um, the the feeling around just everything that had happened that day, we felt as if players we did, we let down the, the fans um, and, and there's no getting away from that. But we didn't. Again, we, we played to win the game. I just feel as if it was one of them games we just couldn't score. We couldn't get the ball in the back of the net. Uh, and then John Baird obviously scores in, in extra time. And... Um, yeah, it was it was massively disappointing because I always remember standing out, um, watching them lift the cup because we we stood out there and made sure we we felt that we felt that hurt, um, and it was fans giving us abuse and rightly so. Listen, when you don't do well, and I, I can take that as a player, um, I understand the frustrations, but we definitely we we tried as hard as we could that game. I think we had a party that was meant to happen at Ibrox that day. I went straight home. There was. There was no way I was going to any sort of party, um, and it hurt. It was it was a massive disappointment. It was, it was a first real setback at Rangers for me personally, but um, again, probably for the club at that point from when they dropped down, that was a first real kind of right with bumping the bumping the steps. So um, disappointing, but you need to dust yourselves down and get on with it, really. I do think that defeat in the Petrovac Cup final played a part in the the Scottish Cup semi final defeat to Dundee United. Scottish Cup semi final for me was um, was a sore one because I, I missed it because um, I ended up getting concussion in training and I pleaded with the doctor to play. I absolutely, I went in for two days and I pleaded and pleaded with him. I even called a meeting with Coiste and the doctor and tried to get Coiste to come on my side. I went in to see Coiste first and I said, Can you please just tell him to let me play? And, and he was like, Look, I'll try, but it's not my decision. And the doctor stood by his decision. He didn't let me play. I had concussion. I, I did have concussion, but I felt fine. And that was the most frustrating thing. I'd, I'd rather I had an injury that I, I knew I was injured with. Um, but again, you've got to be obviously safe with these things. And, and nowadays it's a bit more flagged up than it was back then. And that's why I was just desperate to play. So that was, it was a, it was disappointing against Dundee United. Um, again, it was, it was sort of individual errors that cost us that game. And, um, sitting in the stand, I was I was very very frustrated um, watching that because it was an opportunity there for us definitely. I know, obviously it was at Ibrox as well, and it was it was what was a sore one. But uh, obviously the following season, um, you missed the first half. Am I right in saying due, like the first half of the season due to injury? Yeah. So what happened was we were playing Falkirk on a Friday night, and I got a shoulder injury during the game. I blocked a shot. Um, and I felt my shoulder physio came on and doctor came on and checked me out managed to play on the rest of the game felt alright and the next morning we were training um, because we had a Scottish Cup game I think it was a Monday night against Clyde um, and so we're training on a Saturday morning and normally when you play the night before you'd be off or when you're in you wouldn't be wanting to do anything but because it was so close to the, the game on the Monday I said to my goalie coach, I just want to go out and do some handling, just some light handling. We've got a game in two days. I want to get back into it. Never even fought on my shoulder that morning. Never even went and seen the physio. Um, and all I done was a wee dive down my left-hand side my shoulder dislocated. Um, and I remember walking in, holding my arm, and my shoulder was like 
had dropped basically down almost into my ribs. It was like so low. Um, it was horrendous. It was horrible feeling, but you kind of knew that obviously that feeling inside you as well. Like I'm gonna, this is gonna be quite serious because obviously being a goalkeeper, it was gonna be a serious injury. So it was disappointing that I tried to avoid surgery. I done me and the physio spoke and this went seeing a specialist. He says, look, give it four weeks of rehab, see if you can avoid the surgery. I thought I was there as well. I was so close and I was gutted. I, I started training again um, and I went in and we were due to play, I think it was Aloe on the Saturday. And uh, I went in and done an extra session again, just trying to do the right thing. I took a cross and I fell awkwardly and my shoulder popped out again and that was it. I had to get surgery. So I missed five months and it was um it was devastating to be honest. It was it was a it was a horrible injury and it was one as a goalkeeper, any goalkeeper you see dislocating their shoulder, you know it's gonna be a long road back because it's a it's a major part of your your armory. And in Seaman, obviously when Alan McCoy's left Rangers, did that come as a big surprise to the boys? Um there was a lot going on to be honest behind the scenes and and you kinda we knew there was I guess a player when you're in there and you it was it was that I don't know. It was that bad, badly run at the top. You, it filtered down, and you knew there was massive issues at the top of the club. There was there was always rumours that we we're going to go back into administration. Um, I always remember we we got asked to take a pay cut um, at one point. Um, I remember Lee McCulloch came in and said to to us that. Um, the club have asked us to take pay cut and we were all like, right, okay, well, are we going to go back into administration? Um, and he said, I don't know, I've just been asked this question. So we said, well, look, if we're going to go back into administration, then absolutely most of us, all of us were all willing to take a pay cut to help the club. Um, but he went back and asked the question and all of a sudden they said, no, there's no threat of administration. So we were kind of like, well, why would you be asking a player to take a pay cut if there's no threat of... So it was all these little things that you're kind of like, well, this definitely isn't right because that that never happened to me certainly at any other club, um, and and it wasn't normal. So it was a there was a lot of kind of question marks over that one, but again, that's where the board was at that time. It was all really turning over quite fast and a lot a lot of unrest with fans and stuff. And um, yeah, it was it was disappointing when Coisty left, but um, I think we all kind of had a an inkling that something was going to happen. Oh, yeah. Like, you see, back then, no camera, you're spot on. It was like the mismanagement, it was mismanagement of the skills. I remember I read that uh, one of the one of the directors at the time when Rangers won the third division got a £200,000 bonus when Rangers won in that league. It was, it was scandalous. Yeah. And again, like, um, we never took any bonus for certainly the seasons that I was there. Um, in the lower leagues, we didn't have a, we didn't have a bonus system because we were expected to win games of football. We were getting we were getting paid enough money to win games of football in them leagues. So that was that was that was the way that we looked at. It. And we never ever went in and asked for any bonus through all any of the cups, the the Petrofax Cup, any of these cups. We we just we we were expected to win because we joined a club that wins games of football, wins leagues, wins trophies, and that's what we were expected to do. So yeah, listen, there was a lot a lot going on and. And I think, um, as I said before, I think Koisi just found himself in that in that role at the wrong time in the club, to be honest. And also, I felt sorry for Kenny McDowell because he did not want to be in that position at all. No, he didn't. He didn't. And, and I, I felt for Kenny as well. And Kenny was a great coach and a really good guy. Very close to Ali McCoist as well. Um, and Kenny made it clear sort of um, to the guys that he he didn't choose to be in that position. He had been forced to be in that position. So again, you can imagine the the sort of unrest that 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 sort of spreads out to the to the players. And and again, you you're starting to think you don't know the direction or where the club's actually going to go because of everything that's going on. Um. So it was a it was a tough period. That it was a really tough period. I was I was almost just coming back to get fit. Um. Towards the end of of sort of Kenny's. Um, rain in, in the in the management when he took over um, but to see it, especially when I was sitting and I could sort of digest it a lot because I, I wasn't playing at the time and I was watching everything that was happening it was a, it was a real mess, a real mess It's he going into the old firm game in the League Cup semi-final, what was the mood like? Because obviously you've got a manager there who doesn't want to be there, Rangers are toiling in the league, things aren't good off the field as well, what was the mood like going into that old firm with the players like thinking the worst like we could get a doing here? 
No, I think it was a bit of relief actually to, to play in that game um, because, again, everyone was expecting us to probably get beat. But again, we knew there was an opportunity to to give the fans something really to to go home and shout about um, and and get one over on Celtic. So it it was I, I felt as if that was a a moment where there wasn't as much pressure as we were feeling every week, um, and. Yeah, it was it was an opportunity, and, and unfortunately, we didn't manage to take that opportunity. But um, I, I don't feel as if we we definitely didn't go into that game fearing them. Definitely not. And obviously, after Kenny McDowell left, Stuart McCall came in. We see a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it was just listen. Stuart was just a it was a new voice. It was again there was still loads of stuff going on in the background. Uh, there was it was only a short term contract that he was given to the end of the season. It was it was very very short, so he had a small period of time to try and turn things around. That um, had been a long hard season with so much unrest, so many changes from boardroom level to management level. Um, so he had a big job in his hands, um, even though it was only a short period of time. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was good to get Stuart in. He was. He was um, had a different way of sort of coaching and playing, um, but I enjoyed my time under him as well. Hey, what was the issue with uh, like Stuart McCall and uh, Ian Black? So I remember I watched, I think it was Open Goal with Cy Ferry, and Ian Black spoke about uh, how he didn't get on with Stuart McCall. What was the issue there? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if whether it was because I, if uh, Blackie wasn't playing at that point under Stuart, I'm, I'm not sure. There wasn't any real rift between um, sort of either of them. The problem was that there was a lot of boys that were going out of contract um, and didn't know the future. Um, and the club couldn't obviously commit to the future because, again, you didn't have a manager that you was even going to be there long term. The board was changing. So all these uncertainties do play a part in a player's mind. So it, it, there was so much unrest. Um, and it wasn't just about playing. It was about futures and who's going to be in charge. And um, it was it was a really, really strange time. Um, but it was one we, we, we were obviously trying to win games of football and trying to get promoted at that point as well because um, we were in the, going into the playoffs and, and um, it was going to be a difficult playoff as well. But um, yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a very, very strange season, that one. That was a very unusual one as well because obviously you had Hibs and Hearts in that league as well. That was, if anything, like people were expecting the championship to be more entertaining and more competitive than the actual Premiership. Yeah, listen, the, the championship got so much coverage that year. Um, it was um, weird, but as you say, the two Edinburgh sides um, were were very very strong at that point as well, and it was very competitive. So it was a brilliant league to play in. Um, Falkirk were were doing well and. Um, yeah, it was. It was just a. Uh, yeah, every game's really, really difficult in championship. Hard games to win. Hard to get any sort of rhythm in it. Um, and as I say, the way things had went for us that season, it, the playoff was always going to be the only way that we would probably be getting up because Hearts had put a, a decent run together and had um, got over the line. And obviously, Stuart McCall took Rangers to the the playoffs, and obviously it was a sore one in the final, losing six one to Mullerwell. Um. What was the dressing room like after that game? Because obviously the, we'll speak about Big Mojney uh, quite soon. But what was the dressing room like after that? It must have been like really, really bad. Yeah, it was. Listen, it was devastating. I, I think we set ourselves a huge task by um, losing three one at Ibrox. Um, I think that game we looked as if we would run out of steam. To be perfectly honest, I think we looked as if. The, the playoffs had taken its toll, but not even just the playoffs, I would say the season had taken its toll on that, us on that point. Um, we didn't perform as good as we could have. Um, so we had a big task going to Motherwell and trying to turn that around. Um, and and again, obviously, we'll go back to, to the goal that I lost personally. Um, absolutely devastated. You, you make a mistake of thinking you're going to try and punch it and you end up punching it in the back of your net. Um, but it was one of them days that nothing went right for us. We just we couldn't score. Um, I don't even think we we personally looked like scoring that game. Um, and yeah, I think the season just caught up on us there. Um, and it was it was difficult. So, but listen, you went to the changing room and uh, Billy Almoshny was uh, breaking the place up because um, he lost the plot. 
um, and everyone else was just devastated. Aye, big Mojina, like, honestly, God, I met Mojina a couple of times. He's a, I thought he was a brilliant guy. He was really nice to me when I met him, but you can definitely tell he's a he's quite uh, quite a lunatic. <laughs> but uh, after that game, though, obviously, he punched Lee Owen. Um, what happened after that? Did you see him again? Like, where did he go? Like... So listen, I remember the the incident. You know, again when you when you've you've had an incident like I did in the game, and you just walk it off the pitch. That's the last thing you want is is a whole commotion going on, and you're devastated. Um, feels as if you've let the team down, and, and you just walk it off the pitch and try and go and have a chat with your goalie coach, your manager, and then you see Big Bill L. I think what had happened was him and Lee had obviously either went to shake hands, and it hadn't happened. I don't know what had happened, and then. Um, it got a little bit uh, pushy and shoving, and then Bilhill's just uh, just left one on him. And um, again, you can't you can't do these things, and you can't justify it. it shouldn't have happened. But I think he just lost it, lost the plot in that one there. And um, listen, when he was back in the junior, he was the exact same. He wanted to go to the Motherwell dressing room and and get Lee Irwin. He hadn't left it. He I think he broke the mirror when he was in the changing room and. Yeah, he was just, he was calm when he was speaking. We were all just saying, look, Bilal, just sit down, calm down. And he was like, no, I need to go. I need to go and see see this Motherwell player. And I was like, whoa. I says, Bilal, just leave it. So eventually got him calmed down and we all got showered, got back on the bus. But incredibly, we're standing on the bus and you're thinking it's finished. And Bilal's standing, not even talking about it. And he must have seen the other one coming out of the stadium. And he just walked off, the, never told anyone, just walked off the bus. And the next minute he's over having another go at him. And I'm like, wow, what's this guy's lost the plot? So, um, but he told us on the bus that he was uh, getting back in his car when he got back to Ibrox and driving to France and he would, ne- would never see him again. So, um, and I've actually never seen him again since then. So. He's a good guy to have around in the dressing room though, apart from that. <laughs> Honestly, a, a really good guy, very, very kind and a very religious guy. Um, went to to mosque all the time and and did his prayers and stuff and honestly we 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 do anything for anybody and I think he just had the switch in him that um he couldn't control himself to be honest so um it's a bit of a shame because he he was a he was a good guy and a a good player and it was a shame that he kind of the way he ended his his football in in Scotland. Who was the best uh, Rangers player in that team at the time? Would you say? Um. For me, I, I think Lee Wallace. I, I thought Lee Wallace was very consistent and was really, really good. Uh, a couple of injuries that he got, I think, hampered his, his his sort of career at Rangers a little bit. But yeah, he was he was a he was a talented player and um, could get up and down that that left hand side and was so effective for us as well. So he was a he was a big player for us. Um, he was a common influence as well. I think. Um, when you had him in there, Lee McCulloch as well. I, listen, I think Jig was was a brilliant player. I felt I always remember him getting booed. Um, Ibrox once against Falkirk, yeah. I can remember that. Yeah, and I, I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was a dis- disgraceful from the fans that done it. To be honest, um, I'm a Rangers fan myself, but I would never boo a Rangers player, and um, especially a captain, a guy who's done so much for the club. So, yeah. Um, uh, he was he was a big influence on the on the team and on the on the players that were at the club at that time. Because Mark Warburton told me Wallace wasn't much of a shouter. He was the type of player that would lead by example. He was like the, the like the total professional. Yeah, he was. He was. He listen. He worked ever so hard. Um, he wasn't a shouter, but again, he had a had an aura around him that he could uh, demand respect within the dressing room. Um, and he done that. And as you say, he, he was. He he led by example. He played. Every week that he was fit, he would play to a high standard as well. He would demand on the pitch. Um, but uh, yeah, he was, listen, he was a, a really good professional and a good guy to have in your team. And then obviously after Stuart McCall left, there was a big clear out and Mark Warburton came in. What was your relationship with Mark like? Um, my relationship was uh, was was fine, to be fair. It was it was okay. I, I liked I liked certain things about Mark. Um, there were certain things I didn't like. Um, Again, Wes came in. Wes was doing well. I got injured. The, 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 after the the playoff game, in the playoff game, I actually needed an operation on my knee. Um, but I, I demanded that I played. I had missed so much of the season my shoulder. I took uh, injections in my knee to play all them games in the playoffs. And I was at the end of my road. I, I needed to, to rest. 
and I ended up getting an operation at the start of the season. So again, that 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 really hampered me within getting in Mark's plans, to be perfectly honest, because he had to bring in a goalkeeper, brought in Wes, and Wes done really well and is a brilliant goalkeeper as well. So really good guy. I got on well with Wes and um I mean I only had one kind of critical moment with with Mark um, was when again I had the opportunity to go I hadn't been playing um I'd been on the bench and it came to January and um I had the opportunity to go to Aberdeen it would have been very controversial yes for some Rangers fans but for me personally I needed to play football I was desperate to get back playing um Aberdeen had Danny Ward on loan he'd been recalled um and I'd got a phone call off of um Gordon Marshall, who was a goalie coach at the time, obviously I knew him from Kilmarnock, um, and he asked me my availability. I said, yes, I've asked to go on loan, and I've been told I can. Um, and then I went and seen Mark the next day, and Mark said, brilliant, right, we'll get everyone sorted um, and get yourself ready to, to come out of Aberdeen, tell your wife you'll be moving out. I said, perfect, because I need to play football. Um, and I went and seen Mark the next day, and, and when I seen Mark, he says, Aberdeen aren't interested. And I, I said, look, I've spoke to the goalkeeping coach. I know they're interested in me. Nah, you're not going to Aberdeen. You, and, and that was it. He shut it down. And and I was kind of like, well, if you give me a reason or if you give me an inkling of you get a cup game or you'll get an opportunity here or or even if he, to be honest, see if he had just said to me, look, we need two good goalies. I need somebody here that if Wes gets injured, somebody can step in. That would have done me. But again, the way he explained it to me, it wasn't good enough. Um, and I, I, I'm not being critical because I thought Mark was a very, very good manager because probably one of the best on the training pitch and best organised managers I've worked under. Definitely the best organised manager. Um, and as I say, one of the best on the training pitch. But I felt as if he struggled a little bit with man management, with, uh, with players going in and, and kind of asking difficult questions. And uh, obviously, how would you look back uh, at your time at Rangers? Yeah, I loved it. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was um, uh, a great time of my career and a real learning experience. You learn a lot about yourself through good and bad times. Um, I think it made me grow as a person. Um, even since my my career's finished, you learn a lot about yourself in these difficult places because you you, you do get low at times when, especially when the, the spotlight's on you and um, you're getting criticised. It can be hard, but you come out the other side and. Um, I think it's made me a stronger person. Uh, but yeah, listen, see the opportunity to play at Ibrox in front of all them fans, um, people wanting your autograph. When I was that wee guy wanting people's autograph, um, it's uh, it's an amazing experience. And uh, after leaving Rangers, Cammy, you stayed in the Championship. You moved to Dundee United, but just missed out in promotion against Hamilton in the playoff final. How do you look back at your time there? Because I actually read that you saved three penalties in one game. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, uh, so again, that would be probably up there with one of my highlights of my career um, was that game against Dunfermline. It was bizarre. It was um, I was captain as well, so I got made captain at United. So I loved my time there, to be honest. Really enjoyed it. Um, and that day at Dunfermline, listen, saving three penalties, it was all in the first half. Very quick succession. I think it was within 30 minutes. Um, three different penalty takers. It was uh, Nicky Clark, who obviously I played with United uh, at Rangers. Sorry, um, Paul McMillan and Gavin Riley were all the three penalty takers. So, um, yeah, it was a special, special moment. I think there's only been six people in the world I think has has ever done it, um, and uh, I, I think I'm the only person in the UK ever have done it. So, it's a great thing to to be able to go back and remember and. Every time I go back to to Tanadice or or speak to any Dundee United fans, that's the thing they always remember. And and to be fair, guys that were at the game have said, look, that was one incredible moment that they they absolutely love about being a Dundee United fan. So yeah, to give them that special moment, um, it, it's really nice for me. And obviously after you left um, Dundee United, I think you were number two at Hibs, and obviously you returned to you returned to Kilmarnock as well. So, see, would you say towards the end of your career, did you just find yourself just being a number two quite a bit? Um, I think after Dundee United, I made the decision to go to Kilmarnock. Lee McCulloch was actually manager. Dundee United, the reason I left there was um, family reasons. I was living down south in Annan. I was actually travelling to Dundee most days for training. Um, it was just too far. Uh, the young family, uh, I decided that I had a year left at United, but I asked the manager if I could leave because of family reason, no other reason. 
Um, and then uh, I moved to Kilmarnock under Lee McCulloch um, towards the end of the window. It was like sort of August time. Um, by the time I managed to get away from United and and um, to Kilmarnock, and then Lee ended up getting sacked after sort of seven or eight games. Jamie McDonald was there at the time, and I didn't get the opportunity that was kind of promised, um, which was not nothing to do with sort of Lee because Jamie was doing okay at the time, and he was just looking to try and get a result. And then Steve Clark came in and um, had a had a short period under Steve, and I was number two. Um, but I learned a lot off of Steve Clark. I think he was a, a phenomenal manager, a phenomenal person. Um, and uh, yeah, then ended up going over uh, to Hibs um, to be number two and worked under Neil Lennon, which was a, an experience and um, again, a, a good experience that I enjoyed. You got any good uh, Neil Lennon stories? Oh, listen, there was, there's one that I always, always remember. was remember back um, when... We were, we were obviously playing really well that season, um, pushing for second in the league. And and, and um, Hearts had Craig Levine as manager and he threw out the natural order thing. And we were due to play a, a Edinburgh Derby at Easter, um, at Easter Road, yeah. And, um, so normally Lenny would come in an hour and a half before his team meetings and flip the chart and tell his team, do a quick team talk and boys would get changed. So... We're all sitting waiting an hour and a half and everyone's getting kind of, you've got your routine, so you're getting a wee bit twitchy, like, where is he today, man? It's a bit late. So an hour and 15 comes, still no in, and we're like, where is he today? And he'd been cracking up all week at training. Ah, oh, you're not focused, you're nervous, blah, blah, blah. Training was terrible that week, like, so bad. Um, Just, I don't know what had happened with the boys, but we were just terrible. Everyone, and he was going mental all week, talking to everyone. So then an hour and 15 comes and so a couple of minutes later, the door bangs open. Lenny walks in, <laughs> strolls through, bullet naked, towel in him, goes for a shower. So we all looked at each other, going, uh, and and nobody's like blinked an eye because obviously it's it's Neil. And um, let him go in the shower, and then everyone's just burst out laughing, like, "Oh my god, he's lost the plot! Brilliant!" Uh, has a quick shower, comes back. It's like literally five to five to the hour, like before an hour before. Um, 65 minutes before kickoff, comes in, flips the chart. There's a team, right? Go and win the game tonight, lads. Um, and that's it. And we're all gone. He's like, he's lost the plot. He's, he's away with it. We win the game. We win the game. And then after it, I said to Grant, I always remember saying to Grant, Marie, did he, like, did he mean it to do that? And he says, Cammy says, I don't know. He says, because all he said to us was, them, they're, they're nervous in there. They're so nervous. And I, to this day, knowing Neil, I think he genuinely meant it. I think he meant to calm us down. He probably knew going in that shower that all the boys would have just a burst out laughing going, he's lost the plot. But aye, brilliant. Genius from him. Genius. And uh, in 2020, Cammy, you decided to retire. What made you What made you decide to hang up the boots? Uh, just, uh, listen, I picked up uh, my number of injuries. I got a... I needed another operation on my knee. I had had four. I didn't want any more, and I kind of needed one. Um, I had a hernia operation at the time, and everyone was just building up. And then I was at Queens Park, and it becomes frustrating when you're injured all the time, especially at a lower level, and you you start to think, I'm going to have to start to think about the next stage of my career, um, and where I go from here. Um, and I didn't want to fall out of love with football, to be honest. And I was getting to that stage where you you, you feel as if you're just getting injured all the time and it's it's a frustrating period. So I felt as if it was the right time just to to step away and um, I think my body had just had enough at that point. And then you had a spell at Anna Athletic as director of football. What was that experience like? It was great. I, I enjoyed it. It was a, it was always a kind of just to, it's my local town to, to fill in a bit of time for me and to help the club sort of bring a little bit of professionalism to them and, and, again grow the club a little bit so I done that for sort of six months and then I realized that um I, I kind of wanted to get more into the into the media so I stepped away from that role but listen I, I really enjoyed it when I was in it um I learned a lot and um yeah it was a, it was an enjoyable experience and uh, just to finish off Cammy I've got some quick fire questions for you right so uh, your favorite footballer growing up um Andy Gorham Andy Gorham yeah. Yeah, oh, he was quality, quality. Um, best pal in football? Craig Bryson. Um, the best manager you've played under? 
Kenny Shields. The worst manager you've played under. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a tough one. I'll put you in the spot here. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> smart answer, smart answer. Uh, the best captain you've played with? Manuel Pascali. The best save you've made in your career? Uh, saving the League Cup final against Anthony Stokes. Um, here's a here's a very controversial one for you, right? Ronaldo or Messi? Um, Ronaldo. Yes, finally. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm a Ronaldo guy, mate. Honestly, every football manager, every football I've had on the podcast, I've always said Messi. Like You're the first one to say Ronaldo, mate. I'm buzzing. <laughs> I'm buzzing. And uh, I so Cammy, last question. Uh, you're doing a bit of punditry just now. Um, and obviously, you're, it's going really well. Could we ever see you back uh, in football as a coach or do, is punditry the way forward? No, listen. I don't. I don't kind of see myself going back into football as a as a coach. Um, the director of football thing was always something that I had on my radar to to do. Again, I've got um, a couple of businesses that I've got myself. I've always been interested in business, and I like the the administrative side of football. So it's something that I would definitely consider getting back involved with. Um, would be sort of more a. And again, not not a route that a lot of players want to get involved in, but definitely one that I would be, be further up the stairs and and more involved in expanding a club and and growing a club. Uh, so yeah, we'll wait and see what happens. But I'm I'm loving the media stuff at the moment, really enjoying it, um, and it's all going well. And actually, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you one more: Who do you think will win the, the Scottish Premiership, Rangers or Celtic? Rangers. I think so too, mate. I think so too, Cammy. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for coming on, mate. Thanks, pal. No worries. Thank you very much for listening to the show. If you want to listen to more episodes of Scott Score, they're available on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Until next time, take care and we'll see you soon.